Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. Ah, fuck. Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Hi, everybody. It's Lee here. Just before we get started with this pod, I wanted to tell you about my other pod, Nesson Dorma, the 80s and 90s football pod. If 80s and 90s football is your thing and you like listening to some knowledgeable people having a chat about it every week, then get over to Nesson Dorma Pod on Twitter or nessundormapod.com. We're available on Acast, we're available on Apple Podcasts. Just search Nessundorma, you'll find us there. Come along, subscribe, tell your friends and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Cheers. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. I am Lee Calvert. I am the editor of bloodandmud.com. Still, it still goes on, that website, apparently. You can go and have a look if you want. Joining me, as usual, over there is... is uh, Josh Gardner of rugbyshirtwatch.com. And as a super special guest this week, we've got all the way from South Africa, Mr. Sean Wilson. How are you, Sean? I'm very good. I'm very good, Lee. Sean, I'm glad you're here because... Um, I, I'm going to treat you as a representative for your entire nation, okay? And just <laughs> no say, <laughs> and just and just say to you this: I'm very sorry for my attempt at doing an impression of Johan Ackerman a few episodes ago, <laughs> <laughs> and and what it sounded like, and exact, and what happened with it. I am very sorry. So there you go. Please it pass is, that around. It is. It is. I consider it a rite of passage from British rugby fans now to do the bad South African accent. <laughs> and believe me, it was a bad South African accent. Yes, it was, it was an important move in your career. <laughs> so I mean, I, I had a lot of fun in the early two thousands saying Stefan to Blanche. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. So welcome along, Sean. Um, so this week we've got Sean. He's, Sean's here to talk about uh, the. Pro 14 and how it's being received in South Africa and also to have a bit of a conversation around South Africa and the Autumn Internationals and whether he's, he's been on before, Sean, whether he's any more cheerful about South Africa than, than last time and also and also maybe a conversation about the World Cup bid as well. 
you can get in touch with the pod at Blood and Mud. That's me, or there's Lee at bloodandmud.com, and there's the website and there's Facebook pages. And Josh, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, at Josh Gardner, or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch, or uh, rugbyshirtwatch.com. And sure, while you're here, how do people get in touch with you if they fancy feeding back on what they've heard? Um, you can contact me on the Twitter, is always the easiest one. I'm at simply Sean underscore. Uh, with a little South Park character, if anybody wants to view me from afar. <laughs> um, yeah, he does look exactly like that South Park character as well. That's really <laughs> uh, you can listen to the uh, podcast on Acast. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. And we've had a few. We've had a few reviews on Apple Podcasts. Josh, would you believe? God, we've had a five star review entitled yeah. "Voice of the Real Fan." Christ. From Con Concara, this, this has all Consar. got a bit of Brexit. It has, hasn't it? Yeah. It yes. says, always, always a pleasure to hear the boys dissect the weekend's games. Their chat captures every rugby fan's mood, from gloomy to scathing to celebratory. There's usually time for an epic rant or two, but also plenty of moments of appreciation for the bits of skill and sportsmanship that make us love the game. A great counterpoint to the, to the traditional media. Is that are they are, are we fake news or are they fake news? Oh, he knows. <laughs> and, and that also, was a well phrased review. It was, wasn't it? It's, 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 it was, it was eloquent and lovely. You know? Yeah, we didn't rate. Okay. Let's do another one. Andy Blackall got in touch. Five stars. Miserable and hilarious in just the right measures. A great combo between a rant down the pub after many pints, seeing England lose for the umpteenth time in the Johnson era, and the hilarity of watching Wales lose to Fiji in two thousand and seven. A top notch rugby pod. <laughs> Thank you very much, Andy Blackhall. And thank you, Just everyone, bring, for reviews. Bring back all the greatest hits of my memory. <laughs> and mine. Mm. Ah, Martin Johnson's England. <laughs> uh, see, that's one of my best memories. Uh, sorry, I drifted. Uh, me too. I, I drifted <laughs> away. Uh, I much <laughs> prefer that era than the, than oh, yeah. the, the stealing the Stormers coach era. That was... <laughs> 2007 Wales Fiji was a beauty as well. It gave yeah. an easier quarter final that year, of course. So I was really celebrating that day. Yeah, I broke a sofa that day. <laughs> yeah. Have you broke any furniture in the last 12 months, Sean, watching South Africa? Have you felt that need? <laughs> oh, I broke many a chair last year. <laughs> I don't blame you. Right then, let's go on with our start and as usual with a player spotted. Uh, and this is where we ask people to send us any spotted you have of a player out and about doing something incredibly boring? Because that's what we want to hear. Anything interesting will not be read out. We want something to be mundane. Mundane shit. Yeah. Yes. So Andy McCluskey got in touch on the Blood and Mud Facebook page, and he said, I saw Gareth Anscombe queuing to get cash out of the co-op on St. Mary Street. I know I know it very well. Yeah. He said, it was about an hour before the Zebra game. I didn't bother asking if it was his bank because there, w- <laughs> because there was no queue at the Nat West. But maybe it gives some insight into his politics, the fact that he was going to the co-op bank rather than... Wow, It maybe. could do. Um, he said, but possibly I'm reading too much into this. I thought about hanging around to say hey, but went for a pint instead. People tend to get twitchy when I watch them use the cash point. Andy, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> fair enough. The profession, yeah, approaching a professional athlete as they're attempting to take money out of their bank account, maybe not. I don't know if it's something naive in me, but I had I kind of I really did not think I don't know why professional sports would be going to the cash point an hour before kickoff. You'd assume they'd be doing like lunges and stretches and you know and getting the game face on. He's fucked at the moment, so oh, is he? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's just watching. But still, surely they take card in the Elms Park. I know it's a fucking old shithole, but like. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, so thank you for that player spotted. Please get in touch at Blood and Mud or 
lee at bloodandmud.com is the email in case it's a bit of a long one. Or you can get in touch on the Facebook page and the messages as well if it's a long one. It's up to you. Do whatever you want. Don't send one. I don't care. Do whatever you want. <laughs> but actually, the thing is, I will say to people, uh, we are, as I said the other week, we are actually, you know, grill parking these now. We've had quite a few. So don't be too disappointed if it's a few weeks that we read it out. Yeah. Let's talk it about... It says a lot when you ask somebody for boring shit. That yeah, and we've got too much of it. Ever get. Yeah. It says a lot it says about a lot. our listeners, or it says a lot about mm. rugby players and what they do. I can't work out which, what it is. It did it both. Right then, let's talk about some news as we always do, very quickly. Um, do you remember, Josh, and you might remember this, uh, Paul, uh, Simone Ferraro, we mentioned the fact he couldn't get a professional contract and ended up playing for, for Flam- Fiamme Oro, or whatever it's called, in Italy. Yes. And he played for the Barbarians at the weekend against New Zealand. He did. Well, it wasn't that he didn't actually want... Uh, he couldn't get a professional contract. He's basically come out and said, I couldn't find, I didn't get anything that I was that interested in, so I decided to join the police instead. Fair play to him. And he's playing for Fiamme Oro, which is the actual Italian police team in Division 2 or something. There's something beautifully old school about that. Like, I mean, you thought he was playing for Glasgow last year. He was playing for Italy. He was in the team that beat South Africa, actually, wasn't he? So it's not like he was like slumming it and sort of was out of the picture or anything. You know, he was uh, basically first choice. I'm really sorry, Sean. To treasure <laughs> so is, we invite him on as a guest, and this is how we treat. This is how you treat him. Yeah. So I want to get this straight. So there was a guy that played South Africa in the starting 15 where they lost to Italy and his career has progressed to the point that he's in a second division police team in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the size of it, yeah. So. Oh. Right, well, times have changed. Yeah, so that's what we heard this week. This is only Ferrari. He didn't, he didn't, he, it wasn't that nobody was interested because that would be curious because he is, as you say, a very good player. It said that he wasn't interested in the offers he was getting. I'm assuming he probably did have some top division offers from different countries, but just thought, you know what, no one good. He lives, he actually, because he's in the Carabinieri in Italy, he lives on the police base and everything. Wow. I mean, there is something nice about that because it's like, obviously, being a professional top flight rugby player requires a hell of a lot of, like, time and effort and all that sort of stuff. And if you're not really feeling it and you just want to play rugby for love of it then and, yeah, let's, and let's be honest how often as a rugby player do you get to sort of batten people and throw tear gas at them with impunity which you <laughs> can do in that. the Italian police it's fine it's not a problem <laughs> yeah, I think there's a nice balance there between like real rugby old school values and that just like playing for the police police club that's in your area and a weird kind of rugby hipster vibe as well <laughs> that is a bit <laughs> Uh, that's a modern. Did you have that in the UK? I think it's becoming a modern thing. Rugby hipsters that are kind of just we have football uh, trying to trying to watch as much obscure rugby as you can. Oh yeah, yeah. Anybody who's into Super Rugby in this country is basically a rugby hipster. <laughs> Anybody but, wearing you, yeah, that used to be the Pro 14. Now I don't know what. To do <laughs> yeah, we'll come on to that. Wow. So um, yeah. Yeah, so Simone Favaro is, is, is in the police. I did, going back to the police thing, one of the big memories of my childhood on the television when you used to see the rugby results on, on tea time on a Saturday. I you going to say, yeah. Yeah, no, you're going to say, don't you? That South Wales police were always a team. Yeah. South Wales yeah. police were an actual proper team that used to be announced in the, big, in the rugby scores and everything. It'd yeah, be like, you know, like, it'd be Bridge End versus South Wales police in Wales. <clears throat> that was in amateur days, wasn't it? Where oh, yeah. Being in the police was actually a good kind of way to pretend that you had a job, I is, guess. 
Is the police stadium still there in Bridge? Because it was in Bridge and the South Wales Police Stadium. It was a it was at the um, police sort of training ground, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, I don't know if they still play there, but uh, they play in Waterton Cross, according to Wikipedia. Uh, but they are still a thing. They're a feeder club for the Ospreys, technically. I'm not sure how that works. Well, so there you go. If anybody does know where South Wales Police are actually playing and what that means, if it's still in that stadium in Bridge End, then let us know <laughs> at Blood and Mud. What yeah. else have we got this news? The Bristol training session happened today. Have you heard about this, Sean? <clears throat> England, no, I haven't. England, I have I mean, England have had a four, and Wales have had a forwards-only training session in Bristol behind closed doors, refereed by Nigel Owens today. It's forwards weird. only? Yeah. yeah. Just scrums and line Was it 18 scrums and 12 line-outs well, he did? Yeah. Jesus, well, I... Well, I can understand why it's behind closed doors. I mean, you've got to get the, all the rows of fans out of there. They'll just interfere watching that all day. Yeah, I, I like the idea that it's kind of like Scrum Club, you know. The first rule of Scrum yeah. Club is we do not talk about Scrum Club. But the only footage of it has literally been some bloke <laughs> through a hedge. stuck his phone through a hedge. Because it, so it, hey, what I will say... Well, that's rugby hipsterism, oh, right that's there. It. What I will oh, say about that, just, what I will say about that, it sounds like you're yeah. trying to nick a lineout call or two before you. <laughs> yeah. What I will say about that footage, though, Josh, is that England were royally pushing Wales backwards. Oh, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic about us, Crum, having seen it <laughs> absolutely fucking demolished them in that. I mean, apparently there was a penalty after that, so either Nigel's feeling sorry for us, or there oh, was right, some okay. skullduggery going it did see, on. It did yeah. wheel a bit as it was coming forward, it must be said. So maybe, uh... It looked uh, rather uh, dominant on England's front there, so... I, I, I would want be... nothing more than you guys to analyse that scrum for a full <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what I... I want all forwards analysed, every single shoulder movement, they'll be oh, yeah. What is it? Yeah... Yeah, you talk about rugby hipsters. That those massive analysis pieces are definitely what the rugby hipsters are into. I find them. Yes. the people, yes. I, I, the Diagram, people who write them, diagrams as well. So. The people who write them, great. You know, they do they do a brilliant job and they're very talented people. But it, I can't, I, I lose interest after a little while. Anyway, so what I find interesting, so the one that was that training session, I'm fascinated to know what what Eddie and Warren were. were Eddie and Warren there? Or was it just forwards coaches only? I think they were there. Yeah, what Gatlin was there. Because I'd love Whether to see any... what those two would be just stood on the touch. Because it'd be like, you know, when you like played amateur rugby and the coaches stood on the opposite touchline, slagging each other <laughs> off the whole time. It, would it be like that? Imagine, it wasn't probably wasn't a million miles away. Let's face it. Given the fact that oh, they're clearly not very keen on each other, are they? Eddie James no. and Warren Gatland. No, they're two very similar characters, and they're both massive fucking wind-up merchants. And they're these kind of all-powerful leaders, aren't they? Yeah, I imagine they don't get we're on. Ob- we're or obs- maybe they get on famously. We're obsessed with the kind of all-powerful leader in sport in Britain. It's mm. interesting because I don't, I don't, get, I get the feeling the French aren't that obsessed with that. And my theory is it's because we've never had a dictator. <laughs> maybe. So we're ob- so we're fascinated by this one person who runs everything thing. <laughs> Which you'd think, given the amount of time we spent in the twentieth century getting rid of these dictators, that we would have kind of <laughs> oh, maybe <right. laughs> political. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, it's weird, isn't it? We are obsessed with the man at the top, whereas in French rugby, I, as far as I understand, they just let whoever's bothered to turn up that week well, run let, everything. Or they let whoever's playing number nine that week run everything. Yes. Is that it the is same in South Africa, Sean? Is it a kind of obsession with a head coach, or is it seen as more of a sort of team thing? Is it like a cult of personality with a head coach? Because it's definitely that way over here. 
Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely obsession over the head coaches around here. I think to the de- uh, in the modern game in South Africa, one thing is we don't kind of respect the team of coaches. We kind of put it all on the main guy. Um, and I think generally as well, being a South African rugby coach at a certain level, you've got to fight for yourself quite a lot in the press and stuff. You know, So I think generally the kind of – it was interesting thinking about that when you're saying that. I mean, you think about England coaches going by and all the kind of yes-men that have just been thrown to the side and kind of <laughs> not admired. You know, like a yeah. guy like Lancaster strikes me like that or Brian Ashton strikes me like that. You know, mm. even the results go quite well. The guys aren't even respected. But then you'll get a guy like Martin Johnson who's got general written all over him. <laughs> who kind of fraudulently took up the position for four years before anyone noticed, you know? Um, <laughs> oh, you're not very good at this, are you, Martin? Who could have so, who could have worked that out, given the fact that you've you never s- coached anybody before? <laughs> I mean, you can scowl like a motherfucker. That's yes. half of it, right? Yeah. yeah. If you want to tell the Irish president to fuck off, I'm not moving. You're the man, Martin. But when it comes to coaching a complex elite team, I think, you know... <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, Welsh and Thirsty got in touch on Twitter and said it's shit that it's we haven't been able to see the punch up. I mean, training session between Wales and England. No reports of punch ups. Apparently, it all went very uh, well. Apparently, they didn't. They did lineouts, but no mauling because they basically realised that as soon as they <laughs> engaged in any type of mauling, that it would just turn into a massive fucking scrap every time. <laughs> no, what? What is lineup training without a maul option? Yeah. It's only going straight Basically, straight to the back, no like, peel ball, yeah. straight off the top. That's yeah, the yeah. just, just, do, 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 Is it like a test that, that you know the calls? I mean, that's nothing more than that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird, it was apparently um, Borthwick's idea, but I still don't really... They just wanted a bit of live scrum practice before they have to go up against Argentina yeah. at the weekend, basically, and some reason Wales were game for that so whatever why are they worried about Argentina let's be honest Argentina Argentina still think it's last Tuesday they're so jet lagged <laughs> and it comes to the game there they won't that. even know what year it is so has Steve Borthwick watched Argentina this year because they <laughs> yes. could literally win a penalty at every scrum and still <laughs> contrive to lose very true very very true <laughs> Right then, we pleasure that. <laughs> let's get on to you know Sean's wasted enough time listening to our our waffle. So let let's let's get talk about what he is here to talk about, Indeed. which is let's talk about the Pro 14 first. Then shall we? Sean? Mm. Obviously, I imagine that Super Rugby is still the daddy in South Africa in terms mm-hmm. of coverage and interest. Is that still the case? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Look, I mean, <laughs> and. And you got and and as much as the Pro 14 has been a lot of fun this year for South African viewers as well. I mean, putting it in context, there's a reason that the two South African sides were put into the Pro 14, and that's because they are the the least the least followed of the six original franchises. Yeah. And or slash underperforming, not economically viable, etc. You know. So I mean, yeah. it's always going to be structured for Super Rugby to be the daddy because that's where. Well, that's where the top South African teams are playing in, you know? Yeah. But this Pro 14 really has been a really nice eye-opener, and I think it's going to be very interesting uh, coming up to now for for many reasons I'm sure we'll get into. But now that the – I mean, after the um, autumn tours in the UK, wow. there's usually a big lull between the end of November and the beginning of February for, for rugby. And mm, now yeah. to have some in our summer, that's going to be very, very interesting to see how it plays out viewership-wise. Yeah, I guess it's kind of – yeah, it's giving you all year-round rugby, really, isn't it? Which, from a player welfare point of view, I still don't understand how that's going to work. But 
Yeah, look, and, and another factor as well. I mean, one thing about the South African players I'm a bit worried of, there's some guys that haven't had an off-season there for like two years that you're asking now mm. to put in an extra three months in the summer. And I'm not sure if you've read much about Bloemfontein in your life, but in December or January, it is hot. <laughs> it's yes. be, Brilliant. Yeah, I have, you know, I've never, and it's going to be like, and it's going to be dry air up there. And like, it's going to, I've never seen rugby played in like kind of like 34 degree heat on the high felt there. So that's going to be <laughs> quite interesting. Yeah, so what kind of clouds are going to have a brilliant time out there. What's really the, so what's the altitude it. in Bloemfontein then? Is it, is it pretty high? Are you talking a few thousand it, feet? Uh, less of. Uh, Jeez. I mean, it's it's a it's a bit less than Johannesburg, but still, but still right. pretty thin air up there. Like quite big in land. <laughs> so you got no oxygen and it's boiling. That sounds great. That sounds like some yes. kind of torture device. Yeah, fourteen hundred yeah, meters. That's, that's Google. So uh, fourteen hundred meters. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the top of Snowden in boiling yeah, heat. The boiling. <laughs> with no yeah, with no fun. train to take you back down again, like at the top of Snowden. Yeah. The Connacht lads and the Scottish lads are going to have a fantastic time. Well, I love the way you say that, as if the Welsh lads, will, they'll cope with it fine, because obviously, you know, well, it's, yeah, it's tropical there. The, they're always on the sunbeds. It's <laughs> 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 yeah, so, um, so I mean, when, when, this was in, when this was announced then, Sean, in South Africa, you're obviously there. Was it seen as this kind of curious, daft thing, or were people, the, the, the teams were into the Pro 14, or were people like, oh, this is a good idea? You know, what was it, how was it received? A combination of the two, because I think with a lot of Super Rugby, um, you know, there's been so much discontent in the South African rugby fan from Super Rugby the last couple of years with the format changes, etc., that uh, there's been a big move to try and join up with uh, with the UK. Right. Um, like, you know, obviously a few people have been hoping that being in the um, in the Champions Cup and things like that would hopefully be an option, but that's mm. I, I, that's just not a viable that's just not a viable thing. Mm. So this kind of middle ground of the Pro 14 was a somewhat bizarre, but very very welcome, very very welcome change. You know, so it was so so it's a nice part to get into more sides. I think for for a lot of us we see it as possibly and fingers crossed big time on this one. The first movements to a global season will be. The fact that the Pro 14's there and they're trying to make plans with their scheduling already. Um, but yeah, it's a look. One thing I read, um, I read a I read a document which was to do with the Pro 14 PR just before it opened, mm. and there were and and it was noted the you know where the, where the where the guys from Ireland were showing what they wanted to do with it and what their concerns were. And what I found very interesting looking at their concerns is they were very very obsessed with selling it as it's not. Super Rugby, you know, because that was their main concern back to the viewers in the UK, that it's nothing like Super Rugby. Mm. And I was looking through this new format of a tournament, and I'm like, well, you've got two conferences. It's very <laughs> confusing to figure out who's playing who. Not everyone, some, some teams you play each other three times, some twice, some wherever. It was, you know, it's, it made a lot of things that Super Rugby were criti was criticized for, you know, so I don't know how that aspect's been taken over overseas. I think um, it's, well, really the, the, the conference thing, it was a difficult thing over here because people were worried about derby games being lost because yes. teams from each nation were split across different teams and stuff like that. I think the difficulty is is that because it was all so late, all they planned an entirely new rugby competition in the space of about an hour in between sort of television yeah. rights meetings. You know, I think this is... And we can all scoff at that, and believe me, we have. But the fact is, is that there's nothing to say it will continue to be like this next year when they've seen how it's gone. 
yeah. And, and actually yeah. had a chance to have a sit and look at it. So in a way, we're in a sort of testing period, really. Yeah, and it's certainly up here, it's, it's felt there's been an enjoyable novelty to the whole thing. Like, you know, for as much as certain players should learn to keep their hands to themselves when they go to Lion Sanctuaries, for the most part, it's yes. sort of like, it's quite fun, you know. It's, it's, that it's was not a good look. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's been interesting to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to South Africa, That's a, and having South African teams come and be part of the league, it's been sort of, yeah, it's a bit different, isn't it? Especially as many Pro 14 fans fucking hated their league. And, yeah. you know, it was always regarded as rubbish, to be honest. Even when it wasn't rubbish, most people thought it was a bit shit. So it's just, it's a bit, it's something. And I think that's kind of the thing. There, there was not really any option from a South African point of view of what you were going to do with the Cheaters and, and the Kings when Super Rugby contracted. And the Pro 14 didn't really have any bright ideas of how to make this product compelling all of a sudden. So it's like, well, at least it's trying something. That... And it has made it more interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Like the Cheaters went to Connacht at the weekend and it was, oh, that's interesting. Let's see how the Cheaters get on playing on the end of the world, which is basically what Connacht mm. feels like. And um, and they did okay. They lost, but, you know, it was uh, it was, it was was mm. all right. And and I think there's the, it's nice from a nostalgic point of view, especially for Edinburgh fans, to for, for, to see, you know, Teams like the Kings playing in front of thir- playing in front of thirteen people in a massive empty stadium. I think there's something there's something we, we've all missed that since since Edinburgh moved from Murrayfield, we've all missed that really. So speaking of the teams, Sean, what what's the knowledge of the British teams like in South Africa? Do people have no clue whatsoever? And Irish. Uh, sorry, British and Irish. Thank you, Josh. Sorry, everybody. Right. British and Irish teams. <clears throat> is the knowledge okay? Um, is it more of a hipster thing, or are people just learning as they go along and taking it as it comes? Or look, it's a it's it's a somewhat hipster thing. Look, before this Pro 14, the the TV rights on on SuperSport, where all um where where all rugby is all live rugby is shown on TV, was only in Europe domestically. It was only for the top 14 and the the Premiership in England. Mm. And um, and the two European competitions, a little wacky Thursday night action as well. Always a strange game to pick up. So there was actually no Pro 14 to pick up. And before, oh, right. okay. and, before and beforehand, from the outside, the Pro 12, I always thought it was like it was cool. There, there must have been cool rugby going on because you see, you'll see a bit of them in the European action. You know, the top ones. Mm-hmm. You know, when they lined up against good sides. But it was, and I found it once it was once the Pro 14 came, and we had to kind of describe the the tournament to South Africans, it is kind of a hard one to describe from the outside because you go like, well, it's like a domestic league, but it isn't. You know, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not the, it, It's it's not like their version of Super Rugby. It's something kind of in between because they couldn't make a league by themselves, and it's almost like embracing the and probably seen as the kind of ugly stepchild of the far more successful leagues in the uh, you know compared so. to the top forty. I think part of accepting the cheaters and the king is just, is just kind of go, you know what? Fuck it. We are a weird, wacky league, you know? <laughs> Let's just get in some South African sides into it. And I like that. I really, really do. Uh, um, I, I wish, I mean, the South African contribution to the tournament has been so remarkably two-toned. I mean, the the difference between the cheaters <laughs> and the kings in the yes. tournament is Literally, when you look at the kits, the kit right down to the actual clothes they're wearing, it's two tone. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the cheetahs especially. It was a very yeah. sporting, very 
very trendy numbers right there. What, what, are, what, um, are, the, what are the hopes for the... For, if you're a Cheetahs fan, a Kings fan, I don't think you are, but if, if you know any of them, what, what are their hopes? Do they expect to win it? Do they expect to reach the playoffs and get to the finals or what? Is that, you know, is, or is it a, over the next few years? What, what is it they, they're hopeful for, do you think? I, I, I think everyone accepts that the first year was going to be hard, especially the Kings, which was, you know, I mean, bearing in mind, you know, like like I'm sure you guys will laugh at the results a few times they put together, but that team, so many changes have happened to it between Super Rugby and the Pro 14 mm. as well. I mean, them being kicked out of Super Rugby basically meant a dismantlement of the squad and everyone kind of left for greener pastures. And then it's like, well, well they, they got accepted to the Pro 14, and that's that's ramshackle side. There's a couple of promising youngsters, but a lot of rejects from top sides are make are making that up in the moment. And I think you'll see a bit more of an improvement from them as they go on. Right. But uh, uh, but coming back to your question, I mean, the, I mean, the Cheetahs fan. I mean, I think any kind of honest fan will go like, well, it seems like they can make a plan against anyone at home, which is encouraging. That like Lumpertain yeah. always seems like a rough place to be, and it'll probably be worse as we we'll talk about over like the December January yeah, period. Yeah. But a, but a, but I mean, away from home is a big issue. I mean, I saw they scraped a win against Zebra the other day, but otherwise they they really look like they're just. Um, also, the Cheetahs are traditionally a very running rugby kind of South African side. Like they would probably be mindset wise, they're probably the worst equipped to deal with uh, rugby in the UK, which of course is only going to get worse when it gets rainy yeah. on your side. So I think I think anyone honest will kind of balance out and say, well, maybe that can balance out into a playoff spot. But I think winning the tournament is not <clears throat> that, that, that that team is miles away from that. Um, as for the Kings, they just want to grab a win. Anyone, that would be great. <laughs> um, and in I fairness, they were miles away against Ulster the other no, day. Um, that see, they, game they, they, was they, absolutely bonkers. It was. Well, well, did you notice they moved it away from the from the deserted World Cup stadium that's been an issue in PE for a while, and actually moved it into a more uh, disadvantaged area in oh, Sweden, right, okay. which, is, which, which is um yeah, it was quite a special South African rugby moment for me because I mean the, the union has to make a few concessions to do that. Um, so it was a, a slightly bigger crowd, a more boisterous crowd, a different crowd, and I, th- I think a more motivating crowd. So I hope if they can repeat that trick in the future, um, you might see a few more delightfully bonkers games. Because it was a bit of a, <laughs> it's got that kind of vibe about it, that place. So yeah, very very interesting stuff. It's, it's created a lot of interesting things for South Africa, which I'm very very grateful for. Are lots of people watching on telly? Um, a fair bit, a fair bit of watching. I mean, uh, obviously, like all like kind of cheaters and and PE rugby fans, that's 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 what yeah, they get course, to tune yeah. into every week. Um, I think the viewership has gone down a little bit from what was expected, um, but, uh, but 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 it is a consumed tournament, and I think it's. It's been a while now. Look, it is it is quite a long tournament. So I mean, and you know, if you follow the results, I mean, I think a lot of people would have gone neutrals, would have just gone. Well, I mean, the Kings are nowhere, so they don't tune into their games anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, the, and the cheaters, they'll just kind of follow with a with you know, since the guys have a playoff chance. So I'll be interested to see once the playoffs happen and the tournament really heats up, um, how the how they're going to view it. But it's been a um, but 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 interest has been but. But interest has been there. That'll be interesting, I think, because let's say no South African teams get to the playoffs. It will be interesting to see when the playoffs are being broadcast in South Africa, if the South African fans feel vested enough in the league to still be interested in seeing who wins it. We won't know, will we? A little... 
Just be honest. I don't. Th- I don't think they will. I don't think they will be interested. <laughs> okay. I'm, I mean that. I mean that purely honestly. I mean, like, no, no. I, I don't, that's why I've got you here. Uh, I, don't, I don't think. I don't think many guys are going to tune into Leinster versus Glasgow in a knockout game with both South African sides knocked out. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure that's going to. That's a shame because they genuinely game. play genuinely good. They're always good games. Like, if you're a rugby fan, you know. But I suppose yeah, if you've got if you're not if you've if you've got no, you know, skin in the game, I suppose. <clears throat> well, it's exactly yeah, the I, same in Wales. It's like if there's no Welsh players involved, teams involved in the, the knockouts in the Pro 14, yeah. no fucker will watch it. Yeah, and look, it's a, it's a competitive sporting market as well. You know, especially when when you're hitting our summer and there's cricket on the TV as well. Mm, you know, if you've got a if you've got a cracking test match uh, that's clashing with two neutral countries going at it and tournament with South Africans are knocked out. Um, yeah, you know, not, <laughs> not many people will tune in. Well, all right, that's pissed on that's... my bonfire, hasn't it? That's fair enough. <laughs> Right, let's let's move away from the Pro 14 and let's talk about the um, uh, upcoming Awesome Internationals, but specifically about South Africa. Now, obviously, last time you were on, as I mentioned before, Sean, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a cheery chat about what was going on. <laughs> so, um, how how do you feel about it all now? How, how are things going from your point of view, or from the South African view's point of view? Slightly better. Slightly better, I think. <laughs> um, I, I think. I think as often with serving in rugby, I think a lot of people are very emotive about it if the results aren't perfect. So, I mean, even though it's been a far better year than 2016, mm. um, the, 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 there's always kind of nitpicking about what's wrong with the side as opposed to what's right with the side. Um, I would just like to focus, I, I would just like to respect where we were. And and look at the things we worked on, and I think we've worked on a lot of things. I think um, I it was interesting. I uh, before I came on, I re-listened to when we spoke last, just to kind of <laughs> just to really brighten up your evening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and so I and I listened to myself complaining then about a lack of identity and uh, a playing identity and not not a kind of visible game plans on the field. Um, and I feel like I, I and I feel like I see that a bit more now. You know, whether I agree with it through 80 minutes of a test match is a different story. But I see better organisation of the side, and I see a team buying into a kind of method of playing. Um, and it's got some and it's got some decent results this year, as well as getting whacked by the All Blacks, which happens to the best of us. That was a weird game altogether. I mean, I know it was a hiding, and it was as I said at the time in the episode afterwards that. I discovered a new kind of sporting drama. You know, there's drama in teams. I discovered a new kind of sporting drama, which was the dramatic way in which South Africa would find to not score any points. And but having it was a really a bad game, but it wasn't as bad as that scoreline suggested. And I think any any fan who reacted to oh no, this is the end of the world mm. was was probably getting a bit carried away from my point of view. You're right. Apart from the morbidly depressing score, it was a very interesting test match for that kind of reason. Um, you know what it kind of reminded me of? How these things these things can happen with the All Black sides where some decent teams just get it wrong in New Zealand and it snowballs and a score like 59-0 happens. Do you remind me, do you remember when the Irish came there in 2012 with a decent side? And uh, they mm. lost the first test and they lost the second test, I think, by two points. It needed a last-minute Dan Carter drop goal, which was rare yeah. for New Zealanders to resort to. And then in the third test got whacked 60 0 where everything just <laughs> you know yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's and that and that transition wasn't it was kind of similar to the South African story except in reverse, you know, like in yeah. New Zealand they got absolutely tranced, even though they hadn't. <clears throat> it's what it's one of it's one of my 
pet hates, and if you guys ever want ranting material, I really, really can't stand the rugby fan that goes, oh, they lost, even though they had the majority of possession. No. Having the majority of possession and losing a test match is a perfectly plausible way of losing. You know, <laughs> yeah. if you can't break, if you can't break the defense as well as your opponent is, they're going to take less phases to break it up and suck up phases when you're in possession of the ball. So guys I, are losing test matches with sixty percent possession. To pick it up happens. To pick up that point more generally, I do think you're seeing that more often, not just test matches. Lots of times you see every week somebody will trot out, oh, look, they had this much possession and this much territory mm. and they still lost. I think people are fundamentally misunderstanding modern rugby. Defences have never been more organised and players have never been fitter. And arguably, backlines have never been less creative. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So actually, you put that together. So actually, it's a defensive ploy to go, you know what, mate? I'm up. You have the ball. You just keep running at me. It'll be fine. It's what Wales also, basically did under Gatland between 2008 and 2012. They were happier without it. I think as well, this is also another factor, is just uh, players and specifically backs as well are just getting bigger and bigger. Mm. So, I mean, defences are organised and they're traffic and no one's got a really, you know, and the top players don't have like a weak shoulder anymore, you know? So yeah. it's just you really have to you really have to create big gaps. And everyone's paranoid about being um, exposed out wide, so everyone kind of wants to keep it close in and kind of work uh, near moves. But also, what's what's kind of this this happens a lot against the All Blacks is that, and I found one of my one of my criticisms about South African rugby this year is, of course, one of the things this year is we wanted to try and introduce more width to our play, mm. which is necessary. I, I like like from from the years gone by, we definitely needed more width. Not that I want us to go hail mary wide all the time, but to play a balanced game you got to mix it up a bit. So I think they've cornered on the side of going like, listen, South African backs aren't what you think. You know, we all like to play wide. We like to throw the odd offload and we'll run from our own half a bit much, you know? Mm. But the thing is, what, what you got to understand, like when you get into the opposition 22 and let's say you've had about eight phases, nine phases, 10 phases, don't put pressure on you. I think everyone kind of thinks, okay, well, we have to score there now. Uh, now otherwise, all this effort is not worthwhile. Mm. Someone throws a dodgy offload that doesn't go to hand. And when you do that against the All Blacks, not only is it a wasted attacking opportunity, it's actually a try under the poles in 15 seconds' time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, and, and then out come the statsmen and say, like, whoa, it's very interesting. They played all the rugby. Yet didn't <laughs> win the yeah, it's very, very true. So, what? Um, so, who yeah, should we. So, uh, go on, go on. Who should we be uh, looking out for? Obviously, we've seen Marks this year, who is remarkable. No pun intended, by the way. But yeah, who should, if people haven't been watching Africa that closely, who should we be looking out for in the autumn, do you think, from an African point of view? Um, um, one thing is, I mean, if there is anything to go by, I, I think that they're going to be quite consistent in selection. So most of the guys that played in the rugby championship, I think, are going to play throughout. Any young guy in the squad, you know, will probably only get brought in if they're, if they're injuries or whatever. So I don't think there's going to be amazing, incredible young yeah. guns. Um, uh, Sia Khaleesi is at a fantastic year. He has. As, yeah. as yeah. open side flank. Uh, very, very different to your traditional kind of South African number sevens as well. Much better than when Peter Steph Dutoy played there. Oh, that was not. (laughs) If you could see Sean's face now, listeners, you would. uh, (laughs) 
That is that was horrendous, yeah. And the, that is that is the one problem as well because he actually played against the All Blacks there at Newlands, where they, they shifted Khaleesi to the open side and brought Peter Stem. And I was just head in hands, you know, thinking back, oh my word, this is it's going to be Ben Youngs all over again. But <laughs> the one thing they think of the one position where South Africa are really really strong is at lock. Uh, like there's, there's a bunch of world class guys there from Evanetsebes to Peter Stem to Toy to uh, Louis de Yaga, who has been ordinary provincially, but seems to uh, you know, stand up tall in the Springbok jersey. And uh, arguably the form lock of the tournament, Franco Mostert. Now that's four locks that you think are like four of the best forwards. And that, of course, what happens in that situation is you try to crowbar three locks into a team. You know? So we're going to end up with a lock on, on blindside flank with two locks as well. You know? um, but yeah, so the makeup will be interesting. But Skia uh, Khaleesi um, said it fantastically. I'll be... Very interested to see how Elton Yankees gets on. A man who's had many start, you know, he would start the year, but usually by the end of year tour, uh, he's he's been ditched by the coach, you know, because they think he's a more open style. Then he generally has a difficult rugby championship and then is jettisoned by the time the end of year tour comes. So the guy really hasn't much of a chance um, as the starting Springbok 10. And I'll be very interested to see how he goes on in the conditions because, again, a guy that's had a very uh, a v- very good year. Um, and those are my standouts. And, uh, and an oldie, but a goodie. But he really has been excellent this year. If you has been uh, beast with Tawarira as well. He's, um, I know he's had a kind of mixed... I, I, I often feel he's had mixed receptions in the UK as well. I mean, the guy's been around a while, hmm. and of course, there's been there's been some excellent test matches and some test matches where he's possibly been a bit found out. You know, for every for every second test against the British Lions, there's the third test against the British <laughs> Lions. <laughs> that's, that's kind of that's kind of been beast clear. But this season, he's been excellent for me, a real um, world fifteen contender for his position. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose be, on on stand up, but I suppose that you. You're already on a kind of winner this year because nothing can be as bad as last November, can it? Well, that's nothing. It Italy, and it's already better. So. <laughs> <laughs> it should be an attainable goal. Um, yeah, look, look, I mean, I think it's a, um, it's it's an interest. It's I mean, it's quite an interesting tour this year. I mean, I mean, it starts in in Ireland, where our recent record really isn't very good at um, in Dublin as well. It's mm-hmm. usually a tricky test. It's often the first test of the end of year tour as well, where the guys get a wake up call to what the whole tour is going to be like. Um, France is well, jeez, I mean, the the, the uh, it's 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 bordering <laughs> on an unacceptable cliche to say you don't know what French team will turn up. Actually, to be honest, at the minute, and you do know what French team's going to turn up. They're going to be absolutely fucking shite. That's the thing. <laughs> well, this is what I've been arguing the last few years. I think, I think France has been really, really awful for about yeah. three or four there's, years. There's, there's not even the spark of something might happen. They're generally just awful. <laughs> so, so, I would, uh, so I would like, so on paper at least, that should be one of the uh, that could potentially be yeah. one of the easiest tests the Springboks have played in France, in my memory. So maybe that's a good one there. Italy right there, which is, I think you'll find a few people will be a bit more pumped up for that test match than they <laughs> ever have been. <laughs> the, I don't know how you people feel about in the Six Nations, but whenever we have Italy, it just seems like a real downer of a test match. The, it's, it's, it's scrappy. The Italians want to spoil everything, and it's not like the South Africans are... It's, it, know, it, never engenders, kind of it never engenders much excitement, but of course me and yeah. Joshua at Twickenham last year when they did the whole we won't make a rook thing. 
which was probably oh, the funniest oh, 40 Liz. minutes oh, of rugby I've seen oh, for quite some time. That was hilarious. And then Dylan Hartley asking Romain Poit about what he should do about it as well. That was, it was comic, yeah. fantastic. How do you make a rug? Um, I don't and, know. I am and, not the coach, I'm the referee, yes. So, so arguably, I think the, the 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 most important match in South Africa, Italy, which I hope is now being played for the Brendan Fenter Shield Trophy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Venter was behind that whole plan, wasn't he? The whole no rock right. plan. Yeah, and the man is still, as I understand, still contracted by both coaching coaching unions. Oh, was he? So, I'm not sure. There's, Weird. there's only Brendan could do so, that, isn't there? I certainly can. You know, he might uh, on the day of the well, test match. That might be. Well, well, it's 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 not all half each. That might be the day he goes to London Irish and just helps out with one of their coaching <laughs> sessions as well. He's still on their books as well. And Saracens um, probably. He's probably still being paid by he's Saracens. Probably still so. on the it's probably every, every couple of months. Why, I see Brendan Fenton. While we're on coaches, box. I don't know what he's doing there. While we're on coaches, what's just clarify for me? What's the situation with this African head coach? Uh, with with Hester Katia. Yeah. Uh, um, he's 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 there. He's contracted until the uh, end of the 2019 World Cup, which is the usual. So why am I getting you know, mixed up with Ra- what's happening with Razi Erasmus? Why why is why is that a thing? Razi Erasmus is coming in to be whatever we call it to kind of work above him, you know, as the kind of oh I direct, see. Is it a is it director of rugby? Is it a technical director, etc.? I see. Uh, whatever, whatever that whatever that position is, I don't know the te- technicalities of it. But it it reunites the partnership that they had in two thousand and nine and two thousand and ten at the Stormers. That was exactly the blueprint where Rassi oh, was the okay. director of rugby and Alistair Katia was the head coach when the Stormers reached the Super Rugby final in twenty ten. Still, the only time that they've done that. So yeah, very exciting. And the one difference between Alistair this year and last year is that he's just he just has far more ammunition when it comes to his assistants as well. Um, uh, Franco Smith has been brought in, who's the cheetahs coach at the back line. Uh, uh, we we joke about Brendan Fenter, but he has made an enormous difference to to the attitude of the side and to the defence of the side. Um, and um, yeah, so it's looking. I mean, no threat to Alistair Katia's position in the near future, and I think it would All have right. to take a really, really disastrous turn for you to be. What, what odds would you have got? In the World Cup. What odds would you have got on that of him still being still being the job in January of this year? It was a. It looked like yeah. he was nailed on to go, didn't it? But there you go. It, it it must have been touch and go at some point. But I think, in fairness, I think Alistair Katia went to went to the board and said, "Listen." In my 2016, I didn't have the coaches I want. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. And the communication is bad with the coaches. If you can address all those things, I promise results will improve. And all those things were addressed, and results have improved somewhat. So <laughs> I think I'll credit to them. So you've got, it, you've got Ireland, France, Italy. Anyone else? Uh, and then Wales, the last one, in, in, in December, December, which is always... That, why, why? We always seem to have this funny... Um, out of the international window test against Wales, where yeah. no, so like no, no British player, British based players allowed for us, and no French based players allowed for you. Um, so I mean, I mean, the last, the, the last year's one was was a, was a horrible test oh, match yeah, with a bizarre. Weren't you at that match, side. Josh? I was. You that were match. that soldier, was, weren't you? Uh, it was the worst. 80 minutes of test rugby I've ever been in the presence of, and I hated every minute of it, <laughs> even when we won. Um, well, um, well, the one thing is, I mean, I'm ex- I'm expecting, 
I, I mean, this you're expecting. As far as the Italy, you get pumped up. I think they'll be pretty pumped up, extra pumped up for the Welsh game as well. Because to be honest, after I, th- I think up until 2014, the Springboks had only lost once in Cardiff in uh, 1999 at the opening of the stadium. It's because it was generally a place where, not arrogantly, but guys kind of expected to win every year. Mm-hmm. You know? Now suddenly we've lost in 2014 and 2016. There's a lot of players out there that have only experienced defeat in Cardiff. So I mean, they'll. I think so. So I think you'll find a very pumped up South African side there. Certainly, way more pumped up than they were last year, where they just wanted that tour to be over and done with before they hit yeah. the field. Yeah. Well, they they did lose to an apocalyptically bad Wales team last year, which still confuses me because that Wales team were <laughs> disgustingly bad, and they might be well, a little bit better this year, but probably not a lot. So I think you'd be all right. Okay. Right. Well. well, well, well I don't know how many wins to expect, but um, yeah, uh, I think full, full house seems a bit much. Maybe three. I think you're struggling, Ireland. I yeah, think, I think I France, think... Italy, and Wales are winnable. Yeah, yeah, easy. Yeah, so maybe maybe three wins, which is probably <laughs> South Africans will think I'm a bit defeatist by saying that, but probably a pass mark for where this South African <laughs> side is, right? Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. My name is Andrew McGowan. I'm a firefighter paramedic. Last year saw an increase in fatalities on our roads. These are needless and preventable deaths. We all share the road. However you use it, please be careful and keep each other safe. Together, let's save lives on our roads. A message from the Road Safety Authority. So there we are. That was Mr. Sean Wilson. Let's do... Well, should we do a very quick uh, Cuthbert Police on Cup update? Yeah. Before we move. So, um, oh, you know, I've lost again. Yeah, lost 32-19, uh, rather, at home to cast. Um... <laughs> God help us if the CPC ever goes to camp. <laughs> it's going to be unbearable. Um, I, I, I mean, that's a second track. There's, there's plenty more. I do I'm So Lonely, Sandstorm, Promised Land. Sandstorm, oh, the, of the all-time bad songs. <laughs> yeah, so they went to that team and they've lost again. Yeah, they were behind after three minutes and that was as good as it got. <laughs> so uh, there you they go. They really are quite shit. <laughs> But it's good to know that it just, you know, it goes to its rightful place. It is attracted. Yes, it's, it's found its level. It's okay. equally attracted and repelled by the awfulness of itself. <laughs> Shall we just jump straight to shit good? Because I think we probably should. We're rumbling on with time here, aren't we? Could, we could do what we've learned, but there was fuck all rugby this weekend, so... Yeah, and... there were a few games, but nothing that we're going to get stuck into. So we'll just do, we'll yes. just do shit good. good. Yes. Do you want to do shit first or good? You go. You decide. Do good first. Okay. Um, good. Uh, Glasgow. They are 100% legit. Yeah, given like, that they've lost most of their squad. Yeah, like, it's... Uh, I mean, they still can't bring it in Europe, but in the Pro 14, like... But we've, we've done that. It's a journey. You, yeah. you can't expect to run straight into being brilliant in Europe. Saracen, no, even Saracens didn't do that. That so. is very true. But they, they look absolutely like, you know, 100% record. 
totally stuck. Like, as you say, with half their bloody squad away, they still got a proper spine. They still play really good rugby. It's, you know... They stuck Matawalu on the wing. They make, yeah, they make Matawalu look like a, a rugby player again, which, I mean, you take you take him out of a Glasgow shirt and he's a bag of shit and you put him in one and all of a sudden he's... Lots box and again. lots and lots of love for that run. Yes, oh, it's fabulous. And, oh, and that's Tim's, what you watch rugby for, isn't it? Absolutely. And Tim Swinston as well. Great season he's having. Yes. And very good on Friday night as well. Monster. What have I got for, for good? Lots and lots and lots of love. And thank you for everyone who sent me a clip of this and I requested of Ricky the Ovoid January getting kicked in the gentleman's area. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, I have not. He pushed, he was against Toulon, and obviously Arjun beat Toulon, which is just the weirdest thing ever. Um, Fucking hell. Arjun beat Racing 92 this season as well. They seem to just like reserve some decent performances for massive team, massively rich team, yeah, which I love, by the way. Um, <laughs> and beat dog shit the rest of the So he, he pushed his Toulon player over, who, I can't remember who it is now, I'll be honest. And the was guy. It Chris Ashton, by no, it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> But the oh guy God. was was lying on his side on the floor, and January was stood up, and the bloke, you know, lifted his leg up. And it was what was wonderful about it is that it was almost like a karate flick, <laughs> straight into his into his stones with January. Brilliant. It wasn't even like he swung like haymaker it because he was frustrated. He literally, it was measured. It was like a karate <laughs> like a kick. Swing. It was yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like Indiana Jones's whip, straight into his uh, gentleman's region. Oh, Ricky. And Ricky was and Ricky was there again, looking every bit the, uh, you know, the golden egg. <laughs> he is remarkably egg shaped. I mean, oh yeah, always was. But he, Jesus, yeah, but now he's properly like yeah. The older he gets, the rounder he gets. <laughs> he's like, he's, he must be like looking like a nightmare vision of the future for Steph Armitage, really. It's <laughs> yeah. like if you lose your hair, mate, that's what you're going <laughs> to look this like. This is where you're headed. <laughs> What else have we got that's good? Uh, good. Uh, Stephen Luatua. Yes. The Barbarians. It's fucking absurd that he's playing in the second tier of English rugby because he's ridiculous. Like, and the... he is... He's just dynamic and probably one of the best loose forwards in Europe and he's playing for Bristol and he's got Rotherham next week. You um, know, City. Yeah, and also the Barbarians in general. Now... Wider point here. Mm. My point before about dictator coaches and how much people kind of worship them. Is the mm. Barbarians' performance on Saturday a demonstration that coaches don't actually really do much? Well, certainly given the fact that Will Greenwood's their backs coach and he seems to be spending more time just doing, like, mugging to camera <laughs> than, than actually doing any attacking coaching a lot of the time. Certainly in the, any of the Barbarians' broadcasts. Like, it was just like... For God's sake, man! Give it. I know it's kind of, it's a bit of a fun, like fun. It's meant to be a laugh, game. but you're making it not a laugh now. You've gone beyond a laugh, <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah. gone through the wall into you're, you're just pissing everybody weird, off. Now. Organized fun territory, and it's <laughs> yeah. Not, not you're going fast. into comic relief at work. <laughs> comic relief <laughs> at work. Exactly like. what it is. That is exactly what it is. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, they were. But there was obviously some coaching involved because particularly that last try that they scored with the sort of like weird kickoff the 22 yes. dropout thing. I mean, that was sublime and wonderful. There's always one of those in every Barbarians game. So there's obviously some thinking and practising going on in between the massive drinks. Well, there's something but... about just setting a framework with talented people and giving them a few moves to work with. Yeah. I mean, it's only one game. 
you know. But that was mm. that was not a stupid New Zealand team. No, you know, they at were all, not. They don't have <laughs> stupid teams, you know. Yeah, so. They still have fucking Bowden Barrett at ten. Yeah, that's you know, and for all of the, you know, okay, the barbarians ran out of steam, but again, the barbarians have literally been drinking. Yeah, all they were week. they were sweating pure alcohol by that stage. Yes. we've all been and there on tour matches. Yeah, and as it fucking should be, but you know, they 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 gave a remarkably decent account of themselves. I thought and it was a very entertaining game. Yes, and as you say, it was just they were allowed to express themselves, and it was fun. Switching codes for a minute, can I just say that what was good for me is the Rugby League World Cup chicken and chips adverts for, for <laughs> when, when the TMO is 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 it's is. A, I mean, apparently it's been all season in the NRL. I've missed. I don't watch NRL much. Really, no. But even so, that is just brilliant. Never mind all that fancy graphics. Just get somebody showing you some some chips and gravy. That's what you want. But the fact that it's not even a real hand, it's like a photo of a hand going into some chips. <laughs> and they get like, take a photograph or actually take a video of somebody getting a chip. Don't like try to animate the photograph. It looks terrible. And even it's like, even on the pitch. You know, the kind of yes, normally, like in Britain, what I love about it is in Britain, that would be some kind of obscure investment bank that would be on the pitch. Yes. And it, on the pitch in the Rugby League World Cup, it says... Chicken and, chicken and chips, <laughs> chips yeah, and gravy, two dollars fifty. Just in yeah. big white writing. But everyone, every rugby league fan in the world now, now knows how much chips and gravy costs in AFC <laughs> in Australia. And to be honest, with you, that's a pretty good deal. That's like, was it one pound fifty that in, 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 uh, in, yeah, in real money? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, it was just. I, in, and I was actually at my in-laws' house, and they haven't got Sky Plus. Can you imagine? So basically, I couldn't even pause it and rewind it to take a video of it to put it on Twitter. I've never been so frustrated with a lack of technology. <laughs> it's yeah, there's just something incredibly like, like common about it. It's just brilliantly of, rugby league. The opposite. If, way it, to, yeah, the opposite. if it was pie, it could only be more perfect if it was pies. Yes, that's the only way I you like, can make it more perfect. Yeah, if it was chicken pie <laughs> instead of like popcorn chicken. <laughs> then it would be, yeah, and it, it it was glorious. I loved this. Wonderful. And yeah, more yeah. of this. Up more with this, this sort indeed. of thing, yeah. I say. Fuck off your investment banks yeah. and your equity firms. More KFC, please. And I've noticed that. I noticed that in sport in general. Have you noticed now that it's very hard to find a sponsor on a shirt that you can actually go and use? Yeah, hundred percent. Remember in the old days, it was like paint that you could go and buy, yeah. or a car or Dag- something. Whereas now Dag- it's motors. just. Yeah. yeah, now you look at it, you go, I don't know what that is. I wouldn't no. know AIG. How do, how do I access that? What What is it? And that's the kind of futility of this sort of sports sponsorship thing. It's like half of the things that sports teams are sponsored by, no fucking idea what they are. But it's just yeah. a bit of fucking brand. They tell themselves it's creating brand visibility. And it probably is because people Google it going, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Yeah. And then they find out it's some sort of financial. Well, you have to own. You have to own a small to medium yacht business because that's what they specialise yeah. in insuring. Log- logistical <laughs> solutions. For we insure millionaires' yachts and the property <laughs> that you own, like your seven yeah. wives. Yeah. So, um, what else have we got that's uh, good? Oh yes, we were quite talking about. We rugby were talking about rugby yeah. again, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Uh, Gethin Jenkins. Ageless man. Yes, thirty-seven some... years old. First appearance of the season after being out for nine months or whatever. Best player on the park. Was it like... the combined age of that front row with a hundred and fourteen? 
Yes, it was. Well, that's yes, not even a joke. Was. It was 114. Yeah. 40-year-old Tav Felice, 37-year-old <laughs> Gethin Jenkins, and 36-year-old Matthew Reese. Still stuck Glorious. into Zebra. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I genuinely think Gethin Jenkins is the greatest Welsh player of the last 20 years. It's, it's, there's an argument to be made for it. That like, he's, he's, he is one of the greatest rugby players of the past 20 years. Yeah. Forget the so, prop thing, just as a complete... As a rugby, yeah. If you look at the size of him and use that the relative measure for everything he can do, he is one of the best rugby players for the past 20 years. Yeah, he's arguably one of the best rugby players who've ever lived. <laughs> but what he, what he does at prop and his, the fact that he's 37 years old and he's still playing like that... And, and he's still scrummaging scrumming. wasn't the strongest part of his game. Let's, let's, no, let's, let's remember it that. It never was. Yeah. But, but he can still do it to an acceptable level and... Does everything else uh, still is as good as an open side flanker and can still pass off both hands? And oh, Joel's going so misty eyed, ladies and gentlemen. If you can oh, see him now, God, I fucking love There's a perfectly formed tear just rolled so down much. his cheek as he was talking. <laughs> what else have we got that's good? Mikey S on Twitter, it's Mikey S got in touch and sent us the, the final scorecard thing for the Twitter scorecard for Wasps versus. Newcastle, which was a ridiculous score, mm. but let's yes. not even it was go a there. Super rugby score. That's not even, but the yeah. best thing about it was is that it had Die and Dean Richards stood staring out of it. <laughs> it was, and there was just it something was like there was something of the sort of like boxing undercard, but in a pub car park sort of vibe I, about it. Well, the rugby stig got got a rugby stig mm. tweeted to say it looks like Street Fighter Two, but with people's dads. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely spot on. It's like, I want to see Dean Richards and Die Young stripped to the waist around the back (laughs) of the Weatherspoons. Just fucking going for it. Well, they should have had it. It would be even better if it was a gift. They could do that kind of slightly moving thing that Street Fighter (laughs) used to do as if they were like ready to go. Yeah. Just sort of shit. Rolling the shoulders a little bit. (laughs) Hands up, Kung Fu star, ready to go. (laughs) What an image that is. Yeah. And Dai obviously wasn't smiling on it. Obviously, obviously not. Goes without saying. And Dean Richards has never smiled in his life. So he hasn't, apart from a wry smile when he got caught. <laughs> yeah. Well, he smiled when he came out of the joke shop, but that was only to try and make out like he was, you know, actually do, using it. He didn't for his even smile when he says, "Your, con- your conscience is clear on this one." Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, what else have we got that's good from Twitter? Uh, Bob Mac- uh, Bob McIntosh got in touch on Twitter. He hmm. said, "Good is Edinburgh fans singing the Lion Sleeps Tonight at Scott Baldwin." That is very good. It's they're not. <laughs> that's going to follow around everywhere, isn't it? Yes, I I think Dragons fans were doing that last week as well, but it is becoming a thing and it is very funny. And it will never end. So he might as well no, just strap himself in, in for that. Yeah. Also, Bob McIntosh said Edinburgh generally were very good this yes. weekend. Yes, and indeed, Jason Tuffy. The fact that nobody in Welsh rugby picked him up when he was dumped mid-season by the Dragons a few years back was a disgrace at the time, but he's been showing why ever since. He's really good. How are you feeling about that defeat? That wasn't. Uh, a, that was like kind of a proper Ospreys team as well, wasn't it? It was a good. It was a decent team. Yeah, I mean, he was missing all the internationals, but yeah, but even it was so, still, he's still got Hook, still Beck, a, it was still Davis. A good side. It should have. I mean, they've Bradley Davis, Ollie shit. Cracknell. Yeah, they're shit. They always were shit. They momentarily pretended that they weren't shit, but now they are. <laughs> Back to being shit. You know, last 20 games, right? They've won four of them. Wow. One of, yeah. <laughs> and who were they against? It's probably even more depressing if you look um, at who it was against. Edinburgh, Trevi- Edinburgh, Treviso, Zebra, and Ulster are the four teams we beat. Well, that was like shit Ulster oh, no, last season, wasn't it? Was that shit Ulster yeah. last season? 
Yeah. Yeah. So we've beaten the Dragons, we've beaten Ulster, we've beaten Edinburgh last season. Um, and, and <laughs> bracket last season, close bracket. <laughs> yeah, and we beat uh, Zebra at home. It's the first game of the season. Like, it was 4 of 20. They're bottom of the conference. They're exactly where they belong. And uh, I love the way you, I love the way you say Ulster last season, like when people say, hey, yeah, yeah, I write for the Telegraph online. Yeah, <laughs> Ulster last season. Qualify that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else have we got? That's good. Tom Gorman got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Muddy. He said good was Chris Ashton scoring a hat trick while being played hilariously out of position at fullback, and said shit was everything and everyone else to do with Toulon. But then Carl Asko got in touch on Twitter, and he made the point: the last time that the last time Chris Ashton scored a hat trick mm. was when he was at Northampton, mm. and when he wow. was playing fullback. He That's only remarkable. scores hat tricks from fullback. Fullback. That's. I mean, it's amazing that he played in that Saracens team and won that amount of stuff and never scored a hat trick. Amazing. That's remarkable. Yeah. Mm. You'd you'd, you'd you'd never have believed it, but yeah, that's true. No. What else have we got? That's good. Have you got anything else? Uh, no? Willis Halaholo, Blues. Uh, yes. Centre. He's just far too good for Cardiff, and so is. Yeah, Ray but Lewis, then some weeks honest. he isn't. Yeah, but I just I can't see it lasting long. Enjoy it while you can, Cardiff fans. I'm really sorry. So he's like, going to go and with the Salaholo are way too good for you. When he's They're gone, good for you can replace him with the eighteen pound fifty seven you've got to actually spend. So <laughs> yeah, would you like Corey Allen back? <laughs> oh, that's cruel, Josh. That's too that's yeah. too low. That is. I got apparently somebody dobbed me into his mum the other day for saying that Corey Allen's <laughs> gone a bit shit. What on so, the pod? Somebody told his uh, mum. No, was somebody, on Twitter? Uh, I think I mentioned it on Twitter and somebody dobbed me into his mum. Fucking Twitter grasses. <laughs> Nobody likes you. <laughs> Twitter grass. That's awful. <laughs> Literally Nobody told his mum on you. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> right, what else have we got? Um, Eduardo Alvarez got in touch on Twitter. He said, good, it was Mako Vunapola and Manu Tulangi for asking their teammates to donate 5% of their wages to Samoa players. i tell you what, yes. And... Um, they they did something else as well. Uh, what the fuck did they do? Oh, um, they donated like they they, they bought the kit for uh, Pontypool and District under whatever it is schools teams kit. Did they? Yes, the Vunipolas did. I'm um, sorry, not the two laggies. Um, but is that where they played yeah. their youth rugby at Pontypool? It is indeed. Well, basically, what happened was that like the teacher who basically um, brought their man Falatel right. through was like, oh, we, we've got this bloke who wants to, who's, who's prepared to sponsor our team and buy all the kit. But he said he'd really like a photo of the three lads who used to play for Pontypool and District schools who've now represented the Lions. Is there any way you can sort it out? And he rang up Mako mm. and Mako was like, how much is it? £1,000, don't worry about it. We'll do it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving him any of the reflected glory. We'll just pay yeah. for it. Yeah, whatever that's the thing. And I'm like, not getting and driving all the way to Pontypool to pay him the ass. I'll just pay for <laughs> it. I wonder if that might have been part of it. No, it's <laughs> still nice, like, but I'm not having a go for that. I think, but I can no, just say that actually. I do wonder if, in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm not fucking driving to Pontypool for a photo. <laughs> it's not like, it's actually worth a thousand pounds for me to not go. But yeah, so it's very nice that, like, they've just gone, yeah, fair enough. If you need, you know, they said it was time to pay a little bit back, and it's nice that they remember that they weren't always English. 
Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, very nice. The trouble is, every nation's on very dodgy ground when we start having that oh, round. Man. There's no nobody wins. You start going there, nobody wins. <laughs> that was why it was so funny when England started doing it the other week. It's <laughs> like, guys, seriously. <laughs> It's the, it's like that Everybody episode. What's that scene well. in the thick of it when Stuart and Malcolm Tucker have like say, "Well, I know this about your guy, and I know this about." <laughs> yeah. and in the end, they go, "Let's just shall we just be quiet and just leave?" Yeah. That's the kind it's of like message that. to do. It's like this is mutually assured destruction. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a rugby equivalent stop of nuclear it. war in the eighties. Everyone just stop. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. Right then, oh. shit. Let's finish on shit. Yes. Um, um, what shit. have you got? Uh, Ollie Robinson looks exactly like his dad. Um, <laughs> well, that's not that, shit for him, though, is it? To be I fair, mean, you say that, but he's a very good player. He's brilliant for Cardiff on Saturday night. But it's impossible to like him because you look at him and all you can see is his old man's smug, punchable little face. His dad is Andy Robinson, by the way. In case anybody yes. doesn't know, his dad is yes. Andy Robinson. Yes, and he's very good. He was he's been brilliant for Cardiff since they signed him on loan from Bristol. But he just—it's not even that he looks a lot like his dad. He looks. Exactly. Like yeah, he pulls dad. the same faces and everything. Does, and when he's got a scrum hat on, it's just you, it looks like it's an old photo of of Andy. You know, he didn't yeah, wear a scrum hat. You know what I mean? It just yeah. It, and it, it for all the times you've watched an Andy Robinson press conference and just been very annoyed by it, it's just a, it's very hard to like him. <laughs> That's some deep, <laughs> deep seated uh, dislike, isn't it? <laughs> what else have we got? The shit off Twitter. Uh, Richard Dumaine said, that Sam Davis tackle. It was a mess, wasn't it? What I liked, it was like a high hurdler's form. I, I, I almost, but sort of, it was six it was inches like off weird, the Six yeah, inches off the It was like, the, it was like, like Colin Jackson, but six inches off the ground. Like his, it was like his legs sort of suddenly telescoped into a... Like, I'm not entirely sure he was It looks like he was doing, like, print splits. James <laughs> Brown splits. Like, I wonder if his, his studs maybe just went from under him, but, like... It's the second time, because last week, you know, Keelan Johnson's season is over because Ashton Hewitt basically went in studs up on him and did his ACL. Hmm. And It was a horrendous tackle. It's a red card in oh, football. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah, it's a red card thing. And, and, and this, this is something that if it's going to start happening more and more, that refs do actually need to pay attention to, you can't fly in studs up wildly. Yeah, you know, I know as Richard Dumaine said on Twitter, he said, what was he even trying there? What were you thinking? Why was your leg even going out? It doesn't make any, any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And the, and the Ashton Hewitt was exactly the same. It's like, are you trying to kick the ball? You were nowhere near it, and you just ended up fucking studding someone in the side of the knee and ending their season. It's like, it's, yeah, if it's something that happens more and more, it's going to become a bit of a problem, I think. So, hmm. What else have we got this shit? <clears throat> Becky got in touch on Twitter. She said, "Shit, is that Claremont have zero of five halfbacks available for selection?" That'll be a problem. That's what happens when you sign Greg Laidlaw. When you've when you've spent everything is Greg Laidlaw's fault. Yeah. Stuff. Yes. You see, if they hadn't spent all that money on Laidlaw, they could go and sign somebody else, couldn't they? To solve exactly. this problem, they could have signed six halfbacks, <laughs> <laughs> but not Jules Plisson, who's six hundred grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it; the scale has been reset somewhat. Speaking of Wait. people not being available, Fee got in touch on Twitter and she said that shit is Scotland's injury list. It's fucking oh. ridiculous, she said. Nick DeLuca might be in with a chance of getting back in at this rate. <laughs> that would be glorious, though, that wouldn't would be it? Wonderful, Who wouldn't, wouldn't it? enjoy it? Oh, imagine all the beautiful angles he'd cut, then drop the ball, oh. and it'd be go- oh, <laughs> amazing. 
Um, the shit for me, the Pro 14. I know. Right. It's, we've just had a, a, just nice had a very nice conversation about, about yeah. the Pro 14. How can you have totally rejigged the structure of the competition from top to bottom, and yet you're still playing loads of games when the internationals are away, which is the number one fucking thing that always devalues the competition and means that everybody thinks it's Mickey Mouse. This is like, very for true. For fuck's sake! <laughs> you just totally fucking rejigged the whole thing and could you not have gone, you know what, let's not play when all of the players that we want there aren't there for like half the season like we always do. Oh no, we've got to carry on doing that. Fuck it. Ridiculous. But, it uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, you would think they could find a way through that, wouldn't you? You would think, wouldn't you? Right, what else have we got that's a uh, shit? Uh, the Black and Red, our Edinburgh mm. friends, got in touch on Twitter mm. and they said, uh, both of the shits I saw were at Scotston. Right. It was, you had Nico going prime, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Yes, mm. we covered that one. Yes. But then you had a TMO desperate to get a player card despite the ref saying no, he wasn't interested. Oh, I hate that. I don't want to go through that TMO thing again because we did this with Paul last week. People know my views on this. But I think, yeah, the TMO needs to pipe down. Nobody likes a Twitter grass <laughs> as you've, you've, you've established. <laughs> Nobody yeah. likes a bloke What's in a, a box grass. grassing. No, no. Nobody likes a telly ref yeah. grass. You basically institutionalise grassing, and it needs to stop. <laughs> snitches get stitches. <laughs> That's what I say, yeah. <laughs> um, shit for me. Um, Ireland not getting even a sniff of a World Cup is a bit of shit. Because... Like an Irish World Cup would have been fantastic, and it's not that France was on Africa wouldn't be good, and we should have really talked about this with Sean. But like, yeah, we were meant to, and then we forgot. These... <laughs> yeah, but we've been to both of these places before, and it kind of reinforces the idea that rugby is kind of a little small sport that just does the same things. You know, kind of like rugby league always goes to England and then Australia and England and Australia and England and Australia, mm. and it's like, well, it just gone to Japan to go. To be fair, yeah, maybe like... maybe they're going big, big one, little one. I hope so, but like Ireland is a fucking rugby heartland. It is. It's, it's a very like I get why they haven't done it, but it just it's a shame. An Irish World Cup would have been amazing, and it's probably never going to happen now because of the amount of money that they're going to demand in the future for having one. So it's a bit of a shame. <laughs> no, it is a bit of a shame. It would have been nice. Plus, there's a ch- you know, if it's that near, there's a chance you can go as well, isn't it? If you could <clears> fork out the nine million well. pounds for a ticket wow. to watch Tonga play, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, while we're on, uh, the Black and Red also forwarded to us some of uh, Cockers' post-match comments. Mm. My favourite of which was, I'm delighted now we have a few days to have a little bit of a downtime, but not too much, as we know our lads can't behave themselves when they're away from the place. <laughs> <laughs> Fair dues, Richard Cockrell. That is a great line. Fair play to him. What else have we got? Um, Long Starbird got in touch on Twitter, at Blood and Mud. And he said shit for him was watching the Ospreys trying to break the game line. And he also he also ha- helpfully added a gif of a man trying to punch his way through an ice wall. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of just my season, really, is just watching men dressed in black or occasionally white <laughs> doing increasingly <laughs> futile things. Oh, and we love yeah. that. <laughs> People wonder why we get a bit fed up. It's hard to love the sport when you're in Josh's scenario. Come on, have a bit, have a bit, of, have a bit of sympathy for the man. <laughs> Um, have we got anything else before we finish off yes I'm gonna I might get a little bit ranty here but final shit rugby team initiations yes they've banned them haven't they or something well yeah well there was basically some incident with a fucking beer bottle and they've said that like 
Did it? I mean, it's did it? I'm be... pointing upwards. Did the beer bottle yes. go? Right, okay. Yeah, and it wasn't open. It hadn't been opened beforehand, and there was. Oh, yeah. Intestinal problems. Yes. I mean, Ooh. it just staggers me that in 2017, we're in a world where being part of a rugby team seems to involve having a load of alpha male fucking overcompensation and generally something quite grim and humiliating. Like, it's, it just makes the sport look like it's exclusively the preserve of massive cunts. Like, yeah, it basically makes everybody... Remember the Harry Enfield sketch with the, with yes. the rugby players? It just That's the, the view that people have. They're the kind yeah. of people who do things like that. Yeah, and it's like it's like it's that should only appeal to you if you've got the fucking lad bible as your homepage, but <laughs> or anything, any any website or account with lad in the title. Yes. Disqualifies you from, from... Well, apparently this is such a problem that the RFU is saying that it's to blame for a significant drop in player numbers among university students. Is so that true, been... or are they just all getting a bit moral panicky about they're, it? They're, they've said they've done a survey, and they said that people are being actively dissuaded from, in large numbers from taking part I've, in... I've been through a rugby initiation ceremony, oh, and, yeah, and, it wasn't, and it wasn't, it did not involve inserting something into anything. No. But it mostly it just involves... St- I was standing on a stool and just drinking a really horrible drink. Yes. And then, and then well, and then they, they set fire to a pubic hair and you had to pat it out, but... It was, it was, it was, it was, you know, but it was all the fun of the fair. Do you know what I mean? It was mostly just getting pissed. You just have to do something horrible and get drunk. Well, that's, that's usually the thing. What it just is. fucking get drunk. It's, that's, that's fine. Like, rugby claims that it's like this inclusive, welcoming sport. And then things like this massively alienate so many, like me for one, to be honest. Like, the big reason why I completely disengaged from team sport in uni is I could not bear the fucking laddie bollocks that passes for banter and team building. Like, I know that people will disagree with me here and say, oh, it's part of fucking what makes rugby interesting. But fuck it, it's 2017. You can build camaraderie and friendship without fucking jamming a beer bottle up your ass. Or... <laughs> you can definitely do that. <laughs> Just get fucking drunk and have a good time together. That's all you need to do. Yeah, but, like... you, Josh, people have had enough of experts in this country and their view on beer <laughs> bottle insertions. <laughs> It's like if you're to the point where it's like actively discouraging people from taking part in a sport that they like, it's like should it really be happening anymore? Probably not. That is absolutely minging, by the way, doing that. Oh, that's fucking horrendous. But I've heard of that and worse. Yeah, and be part and be witness to that and worse. And it's just fucking, just ugh. Weirdly, it's... I mean, mates, you the hockey team were the worst. They were worse than the, even worse than the rugby team. Yeah, the uh, it was. Any it's also, it's, it's also right, rugby, it, it's in my experience, team. right, in my experience, it is not as much of a thing in rugby league. Really? Because everybody is so busy eating chicken and chicken and chips <laughs> and gravy <laughs> that they haven't got time to be funny yeah, on. Look, popcorn chicken will not eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, my, I've played for rugby league teams and it's not, apart from getting a bit pissed, it's really not all of that horrible, like, I'm sorry to say, is it... It's not even like you think, is it a private school thing? Because no, because it happens in Wales as well, where it's not yeah. like that. You know, it's not. It's just it's just something about... Something do... about rugby union, I don't understand. I wonder if it's sort of a hangover from the amateur era that kind of... Yeah, when it was like, they... I've been in work all week and now I'm going to go, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and to build sort of team building and to sort of try and get some camaraderie, it was sort of all this bizarre fucking... 
Maybe they were all in the Masons and they just thought that was what was done. I don't know. Yeah. It's also, also as well, there's no comment to all of this about what it means for women and young women to be playing the game. Well, yeah. I don't know what they do in terms of... That's, I sounded like one of like a 70s comedian there, didn't I? I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> bloody women do. But I don't mean it like that. I don't know what female rugby clubs do in terms of initiations. I don't know. Or if they even do them. Maybe anybody who plays out there can enlighten me. I don't know. But it does seem a particularly male thing, doesn't it? Yeah. and I mean, it wouldn't shock me if it was not massively different. And I'm, I'm sure there's not quite as much grim shit. <laughs> because that there's a weird sort of substrata of sort of... Yeah hangover of public school humiliation sort of thing that I don't really... I, I went to watch the Challenge Cup final in somebody's house at university with all the rugby and both the league and union teams there. And I'm not going to go into what happened. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was like the seventh level of darkness. Was it basically like some sort of like fall of Rome? Honestly, scenario? it was like... Remember those films that got made in the 70s sometimes? That were always banned from the city. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not going to go. In. It was so minging. I don't know what to. Uh, but yeah. And on that note, I'll leave yeah. you all to feet to ponder yeah, that as you're on your commute. Exactly or what happened? Or if, out next week. <laughs> or if you're in the gym while you're on your seventh rep, there, just think about you know the kind of darkness that yeah. dwells inside me after that. Um, yeah. You might picture Lee as Caligula, and, and we'll go from there. Oh God! It's all just come flushing back. I'm gonna have to go and have a. I'm gonna go and have a shower. Uh, right. Okay. I'll speak well, to you all Josh. soon, and you, Josh, and everybody. Oh, yes. and thanks for getting. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please subscribe. Bye. Tell your friends. Bye bye. <laughs> oh no! Is it everywhere? No. Sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. <laughs> Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.